When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Larry H. Russell thanking you once again for downloading another edition of Celtic Speed. Today's presenting sponsor is the leading organic meat brand in the country, American Farmers Network. AFN's meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most natural and compassionate approach to ranching. With production standards that go beyond even USDA regulations, all of their certified organic beef is 100% grass-fed. From poultry to pork to coarse beef, get the most nutritious and delicious meat at www.americanfarmersnetwork.com. Today is Sunday, July 24th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. July 24th. Goodness gracious, do summers just motor along here in New England. And yeah, this summer, no different. I don't know if it's this white-hot NBA offseason. Actually, it definitely is this very unique summer. The summer of Durant and everybody else, huh? The summer of Pokemon, which I actually remember being the summer of 1999, which I confess as an 8th grader I was hooked to my Game Boy, but not anymore. The music still stays with me, but the games haven't amused me for quite some time. The NBA season, the offseason, that certainly does, which actually normally slows down at the conclusion of Summer League. Um, Not here, definitely not for the Celtics, and yesterday there were a flurry of transactions and why? What was up with that? What does yesterday tell us with how busy the Celtics were in just the course of a few hours yesterday morning? Was that very telling that the Celtics did what they did? That being signing up Gerald Green, bringing Tyler, Tyler Zeller back, excuse me, giving Demetrius Jackson a, a rookie deal. Very interesting that that all came together about so quickly yesterday morning. The big question everyone is asking it is, does this mean Boston is done for the offseason? Well, I can promise you, we will almost get to all these. We will get to all these questions with our esteemed guest, Michael Lee of The Vertical, in today's featured segment. And the man who's been on these Celtics stories harder than anyone. No one's broken more relevant news and been on this more than our guest, who will be here in just a few minutes. Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe. Coming up on episode number 167 of Celtics Beat which is brought to you by Blue Apron and American Farmers Network.com. American Farmers Network.com forward slash specials. I'm telling you, this summer is going by way too fast. It's not time to bundle up yet, but it's time to purchase incredible bundle deals on certified organic 100% grass fed steaks from our friends at AFN. Grilling season is going to be gone before you know it, folks. So move quickly because summer is moving by way too fast. Guess that's what happens when you let the days go by because you fall victim to constantly following the ins and outs of the Celtics this year. I know much of our audience. I've gotten a lot of communication on my at CLNS underscore LHR Twitter more so than ever. Hopefully I'm getting to everyone, but even just following the search terms, which July 4th weekend, the whole Durant stuff, I confess to it. I let that weekend cripple it for me. Now, Blake Griffin, I know many of you are still very active, but even I've said, listen, tell me when something has gone down. Kind of like yesterday when all that stuff came out of nowhere, right? 
But back in 2007, we were very fortunate. I blog upon this uh, back on clnsradio.com back on Wednesday if you want to check it out. Facebook and Twitter are not means of providing instant coverage, and therefore we sort of let, the, sort of let that Garnett deal come to us. We woke up that Monday morning, and boom, you know, Garnett was all but a Celtic. Fast forward some nine years later, a little different. You know, actually, a lot different, and there's now a lot of discussion here, there, and everywhere, and I said this on my piece on the website on Wednesday. Here's what we know. The Celtics and Clippers have discussed a deal regarding Griffin, particularly over the summer league, which, like the Garnett deal, that's where Angel McHale reconvened on Toxum way back when. Took a few weeks, last day of July, as a matter of fact, to get that deal done. How far have the Celtics and Clippers gotten their discussions regarding L.A. star power forward? There were some reports yesterday that yesterday's transactions are not a telltale sign that the Celtics are finished. So this is almost a certainty what we will talk to Adam Himmelsbach about, Celtics beat reporter for the Boston Globe, who has done a phenomenal job on the beat. He's broken a ton of stories the year and a half he's been here in the area, including this past week with Demetrius Jackson signing Gerson Yabasele playing in China, and he also got the contract details on Tyler Zeller, which, by the way, $8 bucks is a bargain. And I'm, I would not be surprised if he's starting this year with Horford at the four, going back to playing major minutes because he just never really got off on that right track last year when he was paired with David Lee, and that's just set him back, and he never got his rhythm going. So I wouldn't be surprised one iota if he gets back to that 2015 form, which he's him himself, is he's certainly banking on that. But anyways, I am going to save that type of analysis for a show for another day. But back to what yesterday meant for the Celtics in the grand scheme of things. Many have talked about how the fact that players like Zeller and some of the second-round draft picks were unsigned, as well as a few roster spots being open. Many point of that meaning you know, the Celtics were keeping all their options open, hope, holding every bullet possible, such as being able to sign and trade Zeller. Waving some of the second round picks so that if they needed the roster space and being able to absorb a major trade, we were all reading to a lot of things such as that, such as members of the Celtics brass seemingly insinuating confidence, the dead silence of people like Wick and Danny, the two most approachable people. We have heard nothing really of them. For the, they haven't said a peep to the media. Isaiah Thomas, he's another one. He's sort of telling everyone, we're not done, we're not done. Everything looked as if there was a replication of 2007 that was taking place where the Celtics failed with their plan A, the Odin-Durant lottery, but executed plan B. We know what that was, right? Here we go again this year. Plan A, Durant fails. Plan B, trades for other top 10 talents. Yay, it's coming, huh? Uh. The Celtics seem to be off and ready to go again. I tell you, at least Jay Crowder, he's ready to go no matter what, though, right? I mean, goodness gracious, Jay, tell us how you really feel. But anyways, does this discussion of Blake Griffin and, God forbid, Russell Westbrook, does it actually warrant discussion here in this space? I've been tweeting. I've talked about it heavily last week with Michael Smith, episode number 166 in the archives on iTunes, Stitcher, and CLNS Radio mobile app. The talk of not just Griffin, but a... Griffin and Westbrook pairing, that possibility. Now, Westbrook, as of this moment, not available in a trade, and that was confirmed to the world by Adrian Wojnarowski, and I want to ask Adrian's colleague, Michael Lee, about that, but we know that Griffin has been discussed. Westbrook, not really, but that's the absolute more than fair to assume that that is Boston's endgame as their plan B. But let's get Adam here first. I've been running like crazy here, who has been patiently waiting while I've had my say early on. So our chat with Adam is brought to you by Blue Apron. Get fresh, incredible ingredients for easy-to-make home-cooked meals shipped right to your doorstep. And now, great deal. Go to blueapron.com slash and get your first three meals free with free shipping. Guys, I did it. You get an absolute boatload of food shipped to you less than $30. I got 10 ounces of ground beef, two chicken breast, some shrimp, summer squash, zucchini, green beans, garlic, a lemon, all for a shade under $30 with free shipping. Sign up at blueapron.com slash sellersbeat. And if you don't like it after that first week, just cancel. So you just can't lose that first week. They send you a ton of food. And also, once again, enter a contest to win three free Blue Apron meals by simply just liking Sellersbeat on Facebook, facebook.com slash sellersbeat. Got to get to the business now. Let's find out. Adam, I've got you here. I can finally take you off mute. Tell us, man, is there anything big on the horizon for the Celtics? Yeah, it's, all, it's always tough to say this time of year. But I think I think if you're Celtics fans, the day you kind of have to kind of earmark is August 1st. Not for any specific deadline reason, but generally the, once August hits, NBA business really shuts down for the month. You know, teams aren't making trade. Believe it or not, like executives do take vacations and get away from it all. Um you very rarely see anything go down in August, so I think I think you know these last as these last days of July tick away, we'll see if the Celtics can make a move or if they you know if there's a move out there that they want to make. But um, I it, think time's kind of running short. It's funny that you mentioned that because historically, Danny Ainge himself 
and you just came on the beat, I believe, about – it's been about a year and a half now. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. Danny loves these late July trades. More often than not, he has made a pretty significant move at pretty much as, as this, at this time of the, every calendar year. Likes to talk to a lot of his friends at Summer League, it seems like. Courtney Lee, I believe that was a few. His was his sort of came together at Summer League. That was a sign and trade, but that whole thing went down pretty much out in Las Vegas. David Lee, last summer, that was done towards the end of July. They wrapped it up towards the end of the month. Right, That was done after free agency. Of course, Kevin Garnett, as we all know, those talks with McHale, they were done at Summer League, but they didn't complete a trade until the last day of July. You can even go way back. They got Gary Payton. That was a late July trade, if I recall. They signed and traded away Antoine Walker at the end of this month. So there are some historical examples there of really more often or not Danny Ainge making a move at this time. And as of now, nothing. All eyes are on so this is face. the time, I guess, as you're telling me. So we should all – I should be by my phone nonstop these next few days. You, you are not going to be sleeping very well. Light sleep. Yeah. Light sleep, <laughs> everything on um, – but what about the Celtics game plan this offseason? You, you uh, referenced earlier in the week Mike Zarin now having his own Twitter account. And in one of his five tweets, he's done, unless I've missed something over these last few days, uh, he cited Austin Ainge about using free agency first. And actually, if you look at the Celtics over the last 10 years, as I've referenced, that's seemingly what they've done. And you actually had a story back on Thursday about the Celtics going to be sending Gerson Yabasule over to China, halfway across the world. So they got him in China. They have Marcus Thornton, last year's draft choice. He's in Australia, if I, if I recall. I mean, it's tough to keep track of everyone. But basically, get back on track, Adam. What about the game plan this offseason of going after Al Horford, getting him in place, not really focusing too much on the draft. That's why they did not select best player available. They went draft and stash to keep the salary structures open. I'm okay with it. How about yourself, though, since you are a esteemed guest here? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Horford. It's crazy to me how that – like, that's a pretty that's a pretty big signing for anyone. It's a really big signing for the Celtics, just, you know, given their history of not necessarily bringing in marquee free agents. Um, you know, it's a four-time all-star. He's gonna, I think he's going to fit what they do well. And it's kind of almost been forgotten because everyone's so worried. Everyone was so worried about Kevin Durant immediately after the Horford thing, and then even after the Durant uh, story passed, then you got all these new like little rumors popping up about other stars, the Blake Griffins and the Russell Westbrooks and all that stuff. And it's like, wait a minute! Like they did add a four-time All Star here. They and to a team that won 48 games, and with having such a young team, the the thought is most of these guys should be getting better. So a lot of them haven't reached their peaks yet. Then you added Jalen Brown, a number three pick. Like, I think they've done well to upgrade their roster. Are they an NBA Finals roster right now? No, they're not. But guess what? There aren't really many NBA Finals rosters around the NBA. Um, but they're, and they're working toward that, building toward that, obviously. But I, I think some people are kind of forgetting they have made a pretty significant move in bringing in Al Horford. Well, plenty of people are forgetting because to plenty of people, that still isn't good enough. Going from 48 likely to in around 50 to 53 wins next year may not be sufficient enough in the minds of championship star fans. So that's pretty much the only thing that seems to get their attention nowadays in Boston, yeah. not these B-plus teams. But, I mean, we're here. We're talking a little more scientifically. I mean, in your educated opinion, because you do have that, what would you know that you know the Celtics have been very aggressive with Blake Griffin over the last week and a half or since summer league? But if they're unable to really nail something down, free agency has pretty much dried up. Is it really? It's it's really worth going after Griffin. But if they can't get anyone else, or if they really can't get him, what do you think? Are what do you, what are they going to do? Really, <laughs> what does it say before I start stumbling all over myself? What are they going to do if well, they can't get Blake? Well, I mean, first of all, I'm not sure. I think a lot of the Blake and Westbrook stuff has been overreported. To be honest, I don't think, I don't think there have been these. Well, I don't think there have been any, any hardly any discussions really about Russell Westbrook besides very cursory, if anything. And I don't think the Blake Griffin stuff has really. T- a lot of the stuff, if you really read deeply into these reports, what happens is, is there'll be report uh, citing sources on opposing teams who say so and so on an opposing team, thinks that Blake Griffin and the Celtics would make sense. They think that would work. That's the, really the one with uh, Westbrook. These opposing teams have not – the, the teams, similar to Westbrook, but these teams don't really know – there hasn't been any report saying, and, and no one I've talked to saying, like, hey, there's been actual discussion. But then the thing is what happens, and as you know, in this Twitter world, everything catches fire. 
is all it takes is one of those, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, the Celtics are, are really going hard after Blake Griffin, when I'm not necessarily sure that's the case. Do they have interest in them? I think they do, but I'm not, I think it's not quite as, as intense as a lot of people are thinking right now. Um, so your, to answer your original question, if they, if they miss, you know, like say they don't bring in another all-star, I think they just remain patient. I know fans don't want to hear that, but guess what? You've got a Nets pick next year that's almost certainly going to be top three unless ping-pong balls go absolutely crazy for some reason. Can't be any worse than four they're the it, worst team in the league. It, yeah, assuming they're going to be the worst. It looks like it sure looks like they're going to be the worst team. Like, you know, crazy things that happen, but it sure looks like they will be. And that's going to be a value, valuable chip either as a trade chip, you know, at the deadline or even just as a draft pick. Like that next year's draft, a lot of people are saying, I haven't really looked into it that closely, but from the people who do follow it closely, that it's going to be a lot stronger group of prospects. Like this, this freshman college class is really, really strong. And then you have another one after that as a, again, a trade chip slash ability to draft a high player. And then you kind of turn your focus toward that next year of free agency. I think, I think the Celtics fans who are really hoping that everything gets, not everything, but like that, the two seismic deals get done this uh, summer slash like trade deadline time, whatever for next season are going to be let down. I don't think it's going to happen this year, but like, look, they're, they're in such a good position compared to basically 28 other teams around the NBA. But that take away the Warriors, take away the Cavs. You know, you could, you could argue that moving forward, the Celtics are in as good a position as anyone. That definitely not. That's, that's political talk though. That may not be what the general audience wants to hear. They're certainly, especially over this last week and a half, they have been drummed up enough. At least I've actually played my part. I'm, I'm not, I will hold up Guild where I played my part in it last week where I thought they was really drumming things up about Blake Griffin, and thus while there's been minimal, if any, talk at all about Russell Westbrook, you would just have to assume on that end. I would just encourage people, what, with the Blake and Westbrook stuff, I would encourage people to really look at the roots of where these things are coming from. I think that's an important thing to do, and not just, not just having stuff catch fire. If you step back and look at what the actual reports are and where they're coming from, I think people's expectations might not be quite as high. But because of how high expectations are with the Celtics next year, they're good, they've won 48 last year. Regardless, they'll take a step forward, even if it is a slow step. Do you think that the Celtics still, I don't want to say, like, have to make a trade uh, to get the team much better, get the team maybe to in and around 55, God forbid, 60 wins. I think that's a little bit of a stretch no matter what. But how much, I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is it for the team to make another move, considering what we've heard over the last week and a half? I don't want to say appeasing the, appeasing the fan base is an important part of it, but to really keep the positive momentum that's certainly been built in and around the culture of the team over the last three years. I mean, it's. Uh, I think they are building momentum. It's just how quickly. It's just how quickly it happens. And you've heard Danny Ainge say it over and over again. And I don't. Th- and I think he's being genuine when he says he's he's not going to make a bad deal or a deal that hurts the hurts the future for short term success. Um, you know, the Celtics have been reluctant to go after guys that might be, and you know, on an expiring contract or they, you know, might be a free agent, um, whether they can give up things or, or trade for them and then get nothing in return. Like they they. Look, that was a guy they, they kind of probed Al Horford a little bit with the Hawks at the trade deadline last year, and they were like ultimately decided, hey, why are we going to give up assets now? That's what we, we that's can make what a Mike run at this Gorman guy in the summer. Show. Yeah, that's what Mike yeah. Gorman And then said sure it. enough, they looked exactly good. what they did, and they got him for free. So it's like not for free, but they got him without giving up assets. Um, so you know they're they're gonna they're gonna be prudent. They're gonna be patient with it. I, I understand. I understand. Look, I understand how fa- I understand fans won championships. I understand, especially the Celtics are a different culture here. This isn't like a like a middling franchise that hasn't tasted success before. But I think they have to step back and look at where this franchise was three years ago even, or two and a half years ago, and see how quickly they've come. And I remember when I took this job, people told me, like, yeah, you know, it's great that you're going to be covering Celtics. You've got to be ready for them to be horrible for a couple of years before they get good again. And then they started to play really later, well, so they had showed a, up. Yeah, two months later. I think when I got here, they were like 15 and 28 or something like that. Two months later, they got Isaiah Thomas, and then you know, a month after that, they're in the playoffs or whatever. So, and they've had their acceleration has been quickly, more quickly has come more quickly than a lot of people envisioned. The thing is, when it comes, then people want more, and they go, like, "All right, well, if we're going to do it, let's go, let's go, let's go for this championship now." And the other thing to factor in in the short term is you have to step back, and I, I'm, I'm not saying you have to affect the way you operate your franchise based on this, but I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of teams are stepping back and looking at Golden State right now and being like, man, like we've got to wait for this storm to 
calm down a little that's bit. What like, I, that's like, why I've, like, I mean, when you talk about these fantasies of a Griffin and a Westbrook, and I've, I'd certainly, I've, I was one over last week with Mike Smith regarding that, and this is why I really want to talk to this about Michael Lee, our featured guest coming up after the commercial break, before the commercial break getting to you, is you say to yourself, I mean, Golden State could very well be, maybe even the only thing that might stop them is a labor issue in 2017. Golden State is the most talented roster in one of the most talented rosters in the history of the league. And you sort of have to just kind of like as a team, just punt, just like uh, let them do their thing. I know. I mean, it's a, you, it's a competitive like deal. Oh, you got to go after it. You never know. They might get injuries or whatnot, but they're, they're in a situation where it's like, I mean, they could almost win a championship while losing Durant or Curry. Like there'd have to be a ton of things to go wrong for them not to win a championship next year. And the really one of the great arguments are you just like you just said, run into the house, wait out the storm, you know, bunker down in your bunker or something like that, wait out the storm. Or do you try to really empty out the rainy rainy day fund and go after it? I guess in a hypothetical that we have you good fun question. You know, what would you do in that sort of situation? If if there is a plan A and a or option two doors one door is Celtics empty out the rainy day fund. They're able to get something like the ultimate fantasy being Westbrook, Griffin, pair that up with Al Horford, take a run at Golden State. That's still probably not good enough to get it done, although it's certainly a very competitive team. Or do you wait out the storm? Yeah, I think there's a couple of points to that. One, I think the Celtics are fortunate that Golden State's in the West, right? Like, hypothetically... And all you got to do say, is win four games against them. Well, let's say let's say they're you know they're they go to the finals or let's say they or let's say they're in the East and they're the one seed, and the Celtics kind of are in a battle and end up with the four seed next season. Um, and then all of a sudden you're playing Golden State in the second round and you get swept in the second. It feels like there's no progress made. They're in a position that they they'll be able to make a longer run in the playoffs. Fans want progress. The team wants progress. Ownership wants progress. And Golden State won't block them from that. If they somehow like make the finals, if they make the Eastern Conference finals, that's a pretty big step for them. Um, but I think also in terms of do you go for it, I think it doesn't it doesn't quite apply to the Celtics as much because I think that would be more a team that has a window closing. Like let's say like a you know whatever like last year's Spurs team. I would say this year's, even this I would year, say I mean, this year's Spurs, Spurs team. Still, I was ready to throw it. Yeah, out. exactly. They're still pretty old. Like so, say they have a chance to grab one guy and go for a title. I think that's the kind of team that would have to like think about it. The Celtics are so young and and, and kind of up and coming that it, it's not something where they feel like it's window closing. You do want to take like, advantage throw, of Al Horford though. He's thirty and he could be you know he'll turn thirty two like that and thirty two years old is very old in the NBA. That is the one thing you may want to take advantage of what Al Horford can do and still do an elite level in the league. That is actually one way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I don't think. I don't think they're gonna make any moves saying Al Horf, because Al Horford's window is closing. But yeah, he, he's the only guy at thirty or above. He's the only guy who's thirty even. So and he just turned thirty like a month ago. So he he's the savvy veteran on the team. He's the old wise man on the team. There's still uh, one. I really want to get to this because we're talking about want to get you out of here as well. And you're talking about really looking deep into the reports of trade rumors. I think there's no way you don't have to look even too deep into this where you put a see a report out there and it's really not even a report it's just one someone in the media attaches said player to the name and starts rolling along on twitter starts rolling along on discussion forums and hey all it it almost seems like all of a sudden there's all these back and forth banter between teams about trade discussions but is there really anything to Jalil Okafor to Boston I mean I, I don't buy it and that's someone as an outside observer you're on the ins and outs is there really anything to that at all yeah, look, I think everything, you know, if the Celtics could add Jalil for right now, right, would like they nothing, probably? Right, yeah, but well, that's the thing. I think it's everything. Everything's at the price for the Celtics. Everything's at a price. Like, I mean, I, I remember when there was a lot of there were a lot of rumors about Dwight Howard at the trade deadline connected to the Celtics, and I was a little surprised by that. So I reached and talked out, or reached out and talked to some sources, and they said, "Look, you know, that team." <laughs> For, for the Rockets money, no, were really the ones Dwight putting Howard, it out but there, yeah. It, but you're always going to kick the tires and see what the asking price is and see what it costs because, you know, Dwight Howard's better. Dwight Howard wouldn't be like a downgrade from a lot of positions, but do they want to bring him in and then like throw a max contract in him? No, they were never considering that. So they had minimal interest, but they're always going to listen. And, I, and, and I'm not sure how, how strong or deep the interest is in Jaleel Okafor, but I think it's something they'll always – uh, listen and talk about and you know see what the deal if it's a if it's a deal that's favorable to them they would go for it. 
I think if you look at the historical examples of Vanny Angel, I think I think is very well because we now have 12, nearly 13 years of history of what he has done. He has numerous occasions when he went from a bunch of role players – Eric Williams, Tony Batie, he turned that into Ricky Davis. He then turned Ricky Davis into Wally Zerbiak in a first-round draft choice. He ended up turning Wally Zerbiak and a few other things. Delonte West, then the obviously the number five overall pick, and a Ray Allen. He ended up using that first-round draft choice that he got from Minnesota to give it back to Minnesota for Kevin Garnett. So he's had, he's done moves where he has sort of built his way up the or incrementally improved the overall talent on the team over the course of time. And I think Jill Okafor could be something like that. But I also, I mean, I just get this sort of, and I may be Jedi-ing it a little bit, but I still just get this sense that he really is biding his time and waiting to jump on for a couple of top 10 players, i.e. I mean, what, what, what's sort of coming up. It certainly maybe not be Griffin and Westbrook, but he certainly seems to be just biding his time, putting out and fielding a good team, and that way he can jump on the transformative trades because that's seemingly what all the organization talks about even when you get the guys like Rich Gotham and Rick Rosebeck themselves on the show. So I'm probably going to be asking the most obvious question considering what we have heard from you thus far throughout the course of this little chat, Adam. But to get you out of here, just give me your gut and I guess – Throw your brain in there as well. You can use a little bit of your brain, but give me a, sort of your gut feeling on what happens the rest of the summer or really up, up until, what, end of September when they start getting reconvening for training camp. Yeah, I know. This is going to be like the, the not going to set your listeners off or get everyone excited, but, I, I, you know, anything's happening or anything's possible, anything could happen. They're, I know they are having discussions still about trying to make a bigger deal, but it's hard. It's hard to find that second team that's willing. A trade takes two teams. You and the fact that the Celtics are going after stars, they do want that star caliber player. Any team that's going to give up a star is going to be reluctant and going to, you know, really want something big in return. But I think as long as the Celtics have these two Nets picks, they're going to be connected to every single player that's rumored to be available because of those Nets picks. Until those are gone, that will always happen. Adam Himmelsbach, Boston Celtics beat reporter for the Boston Globe. You can follow Adam on Twitter at his namesake, Adam Himmelsbach. Adam, thanks so much for stopping by. All right, thanks for having me on. We'll be back on the other side of the break. You're listening to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Coming up, featured guest segment, Michael Lee of The Vertical. Don't go anywhere. Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, critically acclaimed author and host of Celtics Beat. And I'm privileged to be joined by Daryl Conant, former U.S. Olympic Committee strength coach and one of the leading strength and condition specialists in America. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here, Larry. Thank you. Daryl, you're a student of the legendary bodybuilder Vince Gironda. Tell me a bit more about Vince. Vince Gironda was considered the pioneer of pure natural bodybuilding. His training methods and nutritional concepts are still being incorporated in many gyms throughout the world today, and I had the privilege myself of having him as my mentor. How can we learn more about the methods of the Iron Guru? As a student of Vince Gironda, I always wanted to give back to Vince in some way. I wrote a book entitled Invincible that depicts many of Vince's programs and nutritional theories that he taught me. For more information on this book, folks can visit my website at www.darylcurrent.com. Daryl, Vince had so many methods and ideas for achieving optimal health. Care to share any while we're here? One of Vince's most popular nutritional concepts was his recommendation of eating organic, grass-fed beef to build muscle. Organic red meat is loaded with nutrients necessary for building quality muscle. As Vince would always say to me, you must eat the type of food that the muscle is made out of, red meat. Get on that path of effortless fat loss and optimal health by following the appropriate nutritional methods. And get it from the country's leading organic meat brand, American Farmers Network at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. This is Nick Gelso, the founder of CLNS Radio, and I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about Blue Apron. As a former restaurateur, I fully endorse Blue Apron. Blue Apron has established partnerships with over 150 local farmers, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States. Because Blue Apron ships the exact amount of ingredients required for each recipe, they are reducing waste. This week, I'm so excited about the recipes I received. Crispy cod and summer squash, roasted pork and summer salsa. So as the founder of CLNS Radio, and as a fan of Celtics Beat Podcast myself, I'd like to ask you if you've even been tempted to try Blue Apron. Give it a shot. There's no risk in it for you. Blue Apron is giving you three free meals and free shipping. It's really simple. All you need to do is go to blueapron.com slash Beat. In that, you will be supporting CLNS Radio, Celtics Beat, and also enjoying fresh, high-quality ingredients that taste better 
and are better for you. And now back to Larry H. Russell. Welcome back into the show. Feature guest segment time here on Celtics Beat, and we're going to waste no time getting right to it. Michael Lee of the Vertical at Yahoo Sports. Michael, glad to have you back on the show. I hope you've gotten plenty of rest thus far this offseason. I've gotten enough. I've gotten enough, uh, you know, but if I have to get more intense uh, with the uh, All-Star, you know, with the uh, Olympics coming up, I'll be heading out to Brazil. So uh, I've been able to store up a little energy so I can uh, get through that all right. I hope your 4th of July weekend was pretty good. But uh, at least I'll, I'll say this. It's certainly good business for the N- for the NBA, however. I mean, outside of the middle of August, I've noticed this, especially after doing this show the last three years here, me hosting it. Outside of the middle of August, maybe up, which is right after when that schedule was released, I think it's going to be coming out this time as well. Up until, you know, usually training camp or on the eaves of training camp, end of September. The NBA is just right at the top of the news cycle, starting in early spring, and then it's going right here to where, while the weather is hot, usually the sporting world is not. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that one thing I always hear is that people always ask me, what do I do in the off season? And I tell them there is no off season because there's, there's, there's always something that's happening. I mean, once the NBA finals ends, there's a NBA draft is a week after that. Then right after the draft, you have free agency and there's so much madness with that. And I, I don't know if there's a free agent period in any sport that matches the drama, the shock and everything else that comes from uh, the NBA free agency. Cause there's always some outlandish contracts that make somebody lose their mind or there's some player move like Kevin Durant going to Golden State or LeBron going back to Cleveland that just sends like a seismic shake throughout the entire league and throughout the, the, the world really because these are these are probably the most visible stars uh, out there um, you know there you can see them all the time and and the game is blowing up uh, at some levels that we haven't seen before so uh, it's more popular than ever and the stars are bigger than ever so yeah, the NBA, they, they keep you active. They keep you active indeed. How much is it, too, where there's all this dialogue? You talked about how the NBA, there is no offseason with the NBA. I mean, I like to argue that there's about five, six weeks. However, as, as you said, you're going to be covering the Olympics for the vertical uh, towards in the in this next coming month here. So you, our audience should certainly keep their eyes on that, as I am sure they will. Kevin Durant, you mentioned he will be on that Olympic basketball team representing USA. But there's so much talk when it comes to the NBA after the season ends, and it's the media period after, it's funny because free agency was not like this 10 years ago. Very rarely did these great players change teams 10, 15 years ago. Now, ever since the new decade, LeBron going to Miami, then going back to Cleveland, Kevin Durant. A lot of these guys are changing teams, so therefore these off-seasons are as crazy as ever. There's, there's more potentials with trades. We're certainly going to get to that, especially on Celtics beat. But these trade rumors, I mean, of course, on a much bigger scale, I, I, I you courtesy remind me that Kevin Durant signed with the Warriors. I, I totally forgot about that, but <laughs> is this trans how much does this have to do with the actual business success of the league over the last I would say ten years where the NBA has really just exponentially grown worldwide? I mean, it's huge. I mean, you think about where the league was just, just six years ago, 2010, when LeBron James decided to leave Cleveland and go to Miami, he took his talents to Miami. Uh, you know, right after that, there was a collective bargaining agreement and a lockout to, so that teams like that couldn't be built anymore. And then all of a sudden, you know, people were predicting doomsday because the lockout was when, uh, knocked off 16 games from the season. And it probably, the league probably couldn't have been any lower, but just two years ago, uh, ABC, TNT, you know, they all decided to invest, you know, $24 billion into the league. And I think at that point, uh, you started to understand, you know, the value of live television and live broadcasting and also the appeal of the NBA players. Uh, the fact that LeBron had moved to Miami, created a, you know, a power team, uh, that people were either had an emotional, um, feeling for one way or another. They either hated them or they wanted to see them fail. Or they were rooting for them. And, you know, everyone talks about, you know, a power structure. You know, when the Yankees were dominating baseball, some people said it was bad for the game. But anybody understood that it was good for the game to have, you know, a dominant team that people care about. I grew um, up with that team. You know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's just there's always going to be something that, that, that attracts you. Now you have the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant, a 73-win team. And has a former MVP and a four-time scoring champion. So, you know, 
that's going to generate more attention to the game. So, uh, you know, and there's, there hasn't always been parity in the game anyway. So what you want to see is excellence. And there's a potential for excellence with this Golden State team. There's a potential for excellence with this Heat team. And just the, the game has just gotten so much bigger. LeBron James is one of the biggest stars we've, we've ever had in this game. Uh, probably one of the top five players that ever placed him up uh, already. Um, so I just think that, you know, with guys like him in the game, uh, the game is more attractive, it's more appealing. They they, uh, they changed the rules back uh, 12 years ago so it could be more wide open and free-flowing. It wasn't just that that slog ball where guys are just wrestling each other and trying, and trying to keep each other from scoring as opposed to Nick trying Heath. to put the ball in the basket. So, yeah, yeah, that was just ugly ball. But now he's, now it's just more attractive. It's it's fun to watch. And, uh, and, and, and young, you know, the next generation, you know, they find that thing appealing. I mean, I grew up as a baseball fan. I love baseball still to this day. Uh, I'm a Kansas City Royals fan, so I'm excited that my team won the championship last year and uh, wound up going to the White House, uh, you know, uh, to beat uh, this this week, so uh, so I'm I'm pretty thrilled. Uh, but 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 I know that most people younger than me don't care about baseball, and basketball sort of captured that. The NFL obviously is a different animal, but the NBA is 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 climbing because the younger generation just finds it appealing. I tell you what, though, you mentioned the Kansas City Royals winning the World Series last year and getting to the World Series the year before and losing in a Game 7 and being this great Cinderella story, small market, young players, low payroll, beating some really great teams to get there and get it done. You're never going to get that in the NBA. You'll never get a Cinderella team. The closest was the Pistons back in 2004. But you're never going to get that in the NBA. And while super teams, great teams, Mentioned the Yankees towards the end of the 90s there, although that was a little more of an organic team. It wasn't like they were doing it with all these superstars and buying players. As a matter of fact, once the Yankees started to get the Jason Giambi's and the Mike Mucinas and the A-Rods, they had trouble winning World Series. Different sport, though, so let's totally forget that. But you don't get that in basketball where you have a Cinderella team uh, ride their way, a magic carpet ride to the, to the NBA championship. Super teams, they're good for the NBA. They get a lot of people talking about them. I mean, you know, Miami Heat, back in the early part of the decade, they were very compelling, and a lot of people watched the top games. However, there Mm -hmm. may not be – I mean, when power is that consolidated, the bottom of the barrel teams – now, this has always been the case of the NBA. Usually the lower third of the NBA is unwatchable, for at least for me, and for many people it is. Could that be – I mean – Obviously, it's still going to be very good for the NBA, but is there maybe a – hopefully for maybe Adam Silver come 2017, find a way to make basketball a little more tolerable in markets where the team isn't as appealing as the top of the league is? Well, I mean, there's only uh, so many stars, um, you know. Right, but I, I, I think I think it's, I think, it's a star I think I, disagree, I think I disagree um, primarily because, you know, there have been five different NBA champions in the last six years. So as much as there have been these super teams, there's also been a Dallas Mavericks that can kind of sneak in and surprise you. There's the Spurs, who was the epitome of a homegrown team where they drafted Tim Duncan and added Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, and they had, you know, their homegrown talent that they've, drafted, developed, and turned into stars. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. I mean, if you look at the Golden State Warriors, uh, before they had a Kevin Durant, that's the ultimate team that came from nowhere to become a power. I mean, the fact that Durant even considered them as a, as a, uh, as a, um, as a, as a place where he wanted to play, just think about 2012, he is just coming off a finals appearance, uh, where he was, uh, you know, lost to LeBron, you know, um, to, in the, in the finals. That same year, the Golden State Warriors were a lottery team. And that, that just happened to be the year they drafted Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, and Fessus Azilis. And those three guys became critical members of a championship team that nobody saw coming. Steph Curry is their own draft pick. Clay Thompson is their own draft pick. So um, the, the stars that they have on their roster, you know, that was a homegrown team. And, uh, and, you know, four years later, Durant leaves a team that was in the finals to go to a team that, is, that was built from the ground up to become a power now. So uh, I think that there's, there are those, those situations that can occur if you have an organization that does it the right way, that, that drafts and develops and gets it right. You know, um, you're going to make mistakes, and a lot of times the teams that are bad stay bad that way. The Warriors were bad for a long time. They didn't win a title for 40 years. But eventually you get that breakthrough, and, uh, and it can happen. So I think that if you talk about the super team, you don't have money, you don't have a chance, I would – 
counter and say, well, look at the Warriors. They they did it. Let, I mean, the Spurs lucked in again Tim Duncan, but they were able to maintain a 19-year run as an, a championship contender, and not just because of him, but because a good organization found a way to make it work over and over and over again. So with good management, good vision, you can you can be in the game. I think if you have a lousy team, I don't think it's necessarily on the NBA. It's on your front office and your coaches to try to get get it, get it together because uh, it can't be done. Yeah, I was just playing a little devil's advocate there, just talking about, I want to say, even the overall health of the NBA, just possibly the general interest of a, a casual basketball fan that may live in the area of a ton yeah, of Yeah, I mean, it'll teams. happen. I mean, like I, like I said, I'm a Royals fan, and I love my team, but I know that if I walked around, uh, you know, the, the, I'm in Las Vegas for uh, for this uh, NBA Olympic thing uh, training. If I walk around Las Vegas, I know I can't just say, hey, who was a, who was a, a World Series champion last year? And they wouldn't know, uh, just because there's just not that much interest, uh, outside of that. So I think if you're, if you're a fan of the game, you're going to love it. But I don't know if there's a game that can bring in casual fans as easily as basketball because it's such a simple game to understand. And I think that that's, that's part of what's helping it become more popular. Yeah, it just should be pretty interesting next year to see how much interest there will be in the rest of the NBA that doesn't really involve the Warriors because only Warriors v. Spurs, Warriors v. Cavs, and I just I guess many any other team that plays that night against the Warriors because it well, only seems eye, like Warriors. Keep an eye on Minnesota. Keep an eye on Minnesota. That's but it only seems team. like Warriors games will affect the NBA landscape next year. Is truly what I'm saying. Well, that, that may or may not be the case. I mean, I think we knew we thought the Heat were, was going to be the only important game. Um, but then all of a sudden, um, the Heat uh, wound up losing to the Dallas Mavericks. So um, I, I think that, that's, that stuff happens. I mean, uh, so. But they were there, though. But I'll say this, and stay, staying on the super team talk, you know, one great team like the Warriors, and it just amazes what this sort of does with shifts the power possibly could. Does this now not create more of an inclination for other great players on the league? Now, LeBron, he's a top five player. He's the best player. Uh, but he's already got his team. Kawhi Leonard, top five player. He's already got his team. But how about I.E. Russell Westbrook, I.E. Blake Griffin, other top ten players in the league? Does this not create a greater inclination for those guys where they've got to almost, I don't want to say, force their way to a spot, that, but they need to be on a very good team, and not just a very good team like the Clippers, an elite NBA championship team for them to stay, I don't want to say relevant, but for them to really stay on the map, especially when it comes to winning basketball games, most importantly. And as Adrian Wojnarowski, your colleague, has said on the show, you've got to win in that league to really maximize endorsement deals. Does that not create a greater inclination for other top 10 players in the league to say, hey, we got to consolidate things too so we can get on our great team so then we can go after the Warriors? Um, maybe, uh, but I think that, you know, the rush to try to build a super team can blow up in your face. You saw it with the uh, Lakers when they brought in Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. You saw it with the Knicks, you know, when they had Carmelo and um, Amari Stoudemire. I mean, just because you just put a bunch of talented guys together doesn't mean it's going to fit or it's going to work. And we still don't know what's going to happen with the Warriors. I mean, I think we anticipate it being a success and that they're going to be, you know, just obliterate the league next year. But we don't know. I mean, I, obviously, I guess I mentioned it again, we thought the Heat was, I mean, LeBron was like not not one, not two, not three, not four, and then he kept going on, so I think to like ten, and they got two. And they lost to Dallas, and they lost to the Spurs, and, you know, that's that's the beauty of the game. And I think that even this year, you know, the Warriors won 73 games. I think everyone thought it was a foregone conclusion that it was going to be the Warriors and the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals, and all of a sudden Oklahoma City came in, and they, 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 they uh, blew up the party. And then uh, East, you know, no one expected Toronto to get through, but they got there to the conference finals. And I don't think anybody thought that the Cuban Cavaliers were going to come away as NBA champions this year, especially considering how dominant the Warriors were. So uh, as much as we think things are going to happen, we don't know how things are going to turn out until they actually but, do. But I'm talking I, about the like, – what's – to interrupt you, what's in the mind yeah. of the players? What's in the mind of a Russell Westbrook? Is he saying, oh, I, I mean, I, I, I can't you. score 30 points a game on a 38-win Oklahoma City team next year. Granny's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Yeah. But, I mean, is, I mean is, if he's there, I think he's going to try to lead this league of scoring again. Um, and, 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 and not everybody has the same mentality, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't imagine Kawhi saying I'm going to ever leave to, jo to join with somebody else. Um, I mean, I can't imagine him leaving me, um, you know, but you just never know how things unfold. I, I think that if you're the Clippers, 
they've been trying to build a super team for a long time, and it, if it hasn't come together, I think that they may have to blow that up at some point because it's just not working out. And they've been sticking with the same formula for a while, and it hasn't worked out. Um, but I think that, you know, Russell has a different mindset than maybe Kevin Durant did as, as it comes to, you know, being in Oklahoma City or just being, you know, a part of that team. Um, but I, he, he may want, he may want to go somewhere else. He may want to play in LA or New York or another big, mar- big city market. Um, but, you know, until he tells Oklahoma City what he wants, you know, if he wants to stay or if he wants to go, they're kind of in a tough spot about, you know, what they're going to do with him. But like you said, they're only maybe, five or six guys that you can say are franchise caliber guys that you can build your team around. Two of them now are on the same team in, in, in Oakland and everybody else kind of has to fend for themselves. But, um, but again, I think that there's more, there's more, there are more teams that have won titles than we give credit. And, and, uh, and I, I just think that whatever your mentality is, or you think you got to put, put a super team together, that may not always be the case because the teams that wind up winning aren't, always going to be the ones we say are going to be the ones that win. Yeah, I was just thinking that for the players, there's probably just now a greater incentive. And we can, of course, mention, oh, it hasn't, you know, it's been unpredictable in years past. But this Warriors team is also the, probably the most talented team in the NBA of the of probably since the Lakers and the Celtics, maybe even more talented. So that's what I was sort of saying. Does Russell Westbrook, does Blake Griffin, are they saying in their minds, of course, they've been attached to the Celtics fairly or unfairly over these past two weeks. Are they saying in their mind, like, listen, if we want to compete next, next year, this coming year, we possibly have to collude and find a way to get onto a team so that way that could really go after Golden State. And speaking of Russ, your colleague Adrian Wojnarowski over at the Vertical had a story out earlier in the week reporting that the Thunder were more interested in trying to keep him and have him off the trade market. Now his name has been floated out there and it's mostly been just done through the media or league executives just speculating and people naturally attach Boston to his name just because of the amount of assets that the Celtics have. But his name, you know, he's on trade talks, but as of now, it's on these shows like this one. And as I stated, a lot of it is on the assumption that, you know, Sam Presti, he's historically been one of the most proactive GMs when it comes to players in these situations. James Harden's, you know, Serge Ibaka just a few weeks ago, Jeff Green a few years ago, that are a year away from free agency. He doesn't want to lose them out for nothing. But while he's off the market right now, is that assumption fair with Westbrook despite Rose's report? I think you got to go for it. If you're a team like the Lakers or the Celtics, you got to you got to you know continue you know making calls because you never know when you might get that that breakthrough. You might get that crack. Um, you know, if you, um, I think that you know he's a player worth pursuing, obviously, because you know he's one of the top five players in the game right now. Um, you know, and he can elevate your franchise. I mean, especially if you're the Celtics. Uh, you already got an all-star center in uh, Al Horford, and you need some more veteran superstar caliber players if you really want to compete with Cleveland because LeBron built his own super team, um, and they they just won a championship. So uh, I think that even though Oklahoma City wants to build around, you know, Russ and with hopes, hopes that he wants to stay, um, I think that you just never know how things may shake up. You know, they, they might right now he may want to be a part of it, but by All Star break, he may look around and say, you know what, I don't know if I'll be able to attract it from another free agent to Oklahoma City. I don't know if I'll be able to do it here by myself. I might just need to go somewhere. And then, then at that point, you know, you you may want to have to have to move him. I personally, I feel like if I'm the Thunder, you've already traded Serge Ibaka, you just lost Kevin Durant. Um, you've, you've had this incredible era of basketball, this incredible six year run where you've made four finals, uh, NBA, uh, conference finals, uh, appearances and you came away with one finals appearance, but you haven't won a championship. It might be time to start on to the next phase for the franchise and holding on and sort of to me, it would be similar to Orlando when Shaq left and Penny Hardaway stuck around and tried to do it by himself. And it just never turned out to be anything. You just, you missed out on what could have been a, a potential dynasty because Shaq left and they try to hold on and just say, well, we got one star. Let's keep him. I think that the best thing for the Thunder to do is just say, you know what? Let's just try to get the best package together because they have a very young team. Um, they're not going to be a franchise that's going to attract free agents. Like no free agents like signing up saying, man, I can't wait to go play in Oklahoma City. It's just, that's just not, nothing against Oklahoma. Just, that's just not going to happen. I mean, um, so and they have no to build through the draft. Next year either. 
Yeah, well, there's plenty of guys on the market. Steph Curry, it's nobody, not, it's, just, so. it's, just, it's just none of those guys Steph are Curry saying, LeBron. man, I can't, I can't wait to go to – well, I mean, Curry will be a free agent. I right, think he'll right. stay. Yeah. But, I mean, Blake's a free agent. Uh, I oh, mean, next year's free agent class is going to be it's going to be pretty loaded. I mean, Blake's from Oklahoma, but I don't think he necessarily wants to play there. But that, that being said, um, you know, I just think that if I'm the Thunder, there's no better time to – Look to to really just expedite the rebuild, which is going to have to happen, because you know um, at some point, um, you know Russell's still young, he's still in the prime of his uh, of his career, but I, I just feel like you you had a great run. It's time to move on to the next one uh, for for that organization because. The, the people, the people in Oklahoma City, they've already proven they'll support a team. They supported the uh, the Hornets when they were there, and they weren't that good. They supported the, the Thunder for two years, and they weren't that good. So they're already devastated that Kevin Durant left. If Russell left, it'll sort of help them kind of move on from that whole era altogether. Yeah, I just think, I mean, despite that report by Woj, I don't think that he'll be traded before the season. That's why it's a little risky on the Celtics end. Let's say hypothetically they make a big move, i.e. Blake Griffin, that you would like to think that they're just going to turn right around and go after Russell Westbrook, which they're certainly going to do. I just think that they're going to have to play it out or at least wait it out at least on that end because, like you said, it's probably going to have to be the case of they go into the next year, it gets a little ugly down in Oklahoma City, they fall five, six, seven games under five hundred. Russ is putting up 35-30 a game, but he's doing it on a team that's struggling to win 30 35 to 40 games, and eventually he says, listen, I'm leaving at the end of the year, so you may as well get something for me now, and thus forces a move. And that really asks a big question, because there's really been a lot of talk recently here in Boston regarding Blake Griffin and the whole plan likely is if they do get Blake Griffin, they will hopefully have enough remaining assets over so they can then turn it right around and get Russell Westbrook to pair that along and run with that triumvirate, go along with Al Horford and possibly Isaiah Thomas, likely Isaiah Thomas as well, but not even likely. But they really question the big Question is this with Boston. And this is the final question here, Michael, to get you out of here. Sure. What should the Celtics do? I mean, they have what they have. I mean, does it make sense for them to try and field a team that can compete with one of the most talented roster in NBA history, like I said, the Golden State Warriors, where they're going to empty out the reigning day fund for a three-year window under this current environment? It's kind of an interesting question. Or should, like, I, I mean, the other option, of course, is build it more organically like the Warriors did, hopefully. Boston needs to go for it. You know, um, it's been, what, eight years since they won a championship, six years since they're the in the The last election year, or the last uh, yeah. full election, uh, excuse me. Yeah, so, I mean, had, uh, so I, I just think that you've, you've already invested $100 million in Al Horford. I don't think you brought him there just so he could just play on a team that's a Help the young three guys. or four seed every year. I think you need to go go all in, and they've been talking about it forever. They've been building these assets. Um, you know, they got they got Brooklyn's picks for like the next what thirty five years or something like that. No, it's unfortunate. <laughs> just two, but they're free to send uh, okay. over the rest as well. They're a bit, but but I think you have all these young players, and they're they're all kind of you know they're they're kind of jammed with a bunch of young prospects. They got to let some of those guys. You know, get some freedom and go somewhere and play somewhere. Uh, so I, I just and they're always mentioning rumors. They haven't ever pulled the trigger on on a deal. I think I think that now you know you you make that kind of investment in Al Horford. He didn't go there just so he could just wear himself to green. I mean, he went there to try to win. He's, he's he's been on a team that you know just gets to the playoffs every year in Atlanta. Uh, I'm sure he left Atlanta because he wants more. So I think if you're the Celtics. You have to go. You have to go all in, and not really concern yourself with, well, the Warriors are going to win anyway. Because that's just as a competitor, you can't have that mentality. You got to have the mentality that we can go out there and sneak in and get it. And I think that's that's got to be the way you approach it all. Because you know Cleveland's still the the best team in the East, but you know Toronto beat took two games off of them in the in the conference uh, finals. So you know if if Boston can add another piece, you know you got a great coach. You know you got a uh, you know a nice foundational piece in, in Al Horford. You got some you know, that All Star and Isaiah Thomas. You know you got other pieces that you can move to get uh, a star player. Go for it and and see how it works out because you never know what's going to happen with injury. You know again the Warriors were dominant all year. Regular season they won 73 games. Playoffs came. Steph Curry sprained his ankle. Comes back sprains his MCL. And by the end of the finals he had nothing left. And it was unfortunate. But it happens. So you never know. As long as you're in there and you're competing, 
you have a shot and you got to think that way. Cause like I said, when the Warriors are up three, one, I wrote, I wrote off Cleveland. I had no, uh, I never once thought they were going to win uh, a championship until LeBron came through and blocked the Andre without a shot. At that point, I was like, oh, okay, Cleveland's about to win this thing. But <laughs> that's just how it goes. Michael Lee, senior NBA writer for the Vertical at Yahoo Sports, can follow Mr. Lee on Twitter at Mr. Michael Lee. Thanks so much for doing this again, and enjoy the Olympics, man. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Again, Michael Lee of the Vertical. I like to think they're trying, Michael. I think they have the mindset to go for it. But as you said with Westbrook, he's just not available now. But very likely, especially with Presti's history, could be available during the season. But that means what does Boston do? Yes, I'm sure they'd be aggressive for Westbrook in season. But here's the question. How aggressive? Because what if by then they don't have the full core in place? Do you roll the dice for Westbrook if you don't have the Blake Griffin or a player of his caliber? And with a team next year that's at or around a 50-win pace next February-ish, and you hope you can win Russ over with just a few weeks to go into the season? I don't know. See, I'd like to think Russ as the final piece. Get a deal done for a player like Griffin or that of his ilk, then take a chance on Westbrook and dale him to leave a super team that will be one of the three or four best teams in the NBA next year. So that's something to watch. It's a lot tougher, I think, for the Celtics to go after Westbrook during the season unless there's someone else already in place. So while the Celtics have, here's that phrase again, all these assets, there are still a lot of questions. Going all the way back to what I've brought up on Twitter in prior weeks, do you go all in now under this environment with how dominant Golden State is going to be? I've changed my mind on that. Adam seems very wary. Michael says yay. As stated, it's really just one team you got to deal with. So we'll break Kevin Durant's leg when we need to break Kevin Durant's leg, right? Ha, 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 ha. But then make a trade a little later in the season for a star player. Fit him in here real quick and make him happy real quick and hope he sticks. That's a little, that's it for you, actually. I have to admit that. It's easier to do now, but you just heard Adam and Mr. Lee. Now may not be an option. It may not be. But they're trying. The Celtics are certainly trying, and there's still a lot to be done. Whether they reel in another big fish remains to be seen. But as I told Adam earlier, about 80% of the summer as Ainge has been here, he makes a trade during this time, end of July. So you got to watch out for it. And just on the roster alone, I think he has to do something with the numbers game still. You saw yesterday Sean Devaney had the story of the team picking up Gerald Green. Gerald, not quick on this one. You're not sure you're going to get your number five you wore your first go around here, huh? But while I liked what I saw from Terry Rozier during this offseason or during the summer league, I'm not sure I'm totally sold on having Evan Turner's replacement be him. So it really made some sense for Boston to go with a cheap veteran, but there's still also the possibility with a trade as well. And there's also really, I think, the hopes that Rozier makes a little leap and becomes that internal replacement to Evan Turner. That, by the way, speaking is, is something we've barely discussed with how wild the summer has been, the Evan Turner departure, filling that void. Of course, uh, you know, yesterday signing Gerald back here, but it really is incredible like how much there is to talk about the team. We you know, we go here for an hour a week and we still can't squeeze enough in, but actually fear not, that's why you're here. Hopefully listening to us on the CLNS Radio Mobile app because that way you can hop right on over to our other array of podcasts including tomorrow and this time we promise Celtic Stuff Live will be back on schedule Monday around 9 a.m. Eastern Time. One more plus hour of Celtics Podcast, the original Celtics Podcast tomorrow. And I am sure you know now the widely renowned podcast which covers the NBA Real GM Radio. That is now available on the CLNS Radio mobile app, available for your iPhone and Android. I'm telling you, you got to download it. Host Danny LaRue, he had a great show, just released it a few days ago. Some real heavy hitting with ESPN's Kevin Pelton. Talk Summer League, talk Warriors. Of course, I advise everyone to check that out. The CLNS Radio mobile app is a 360 win-win here. You get great content. And by downloading the app, you help support us in a small way with your continued patronage. And again, it is free. So we really appreciated all that support for what we continue to do. It's a real help, whether it's listening to us on the mobile app, going to our sponsor, Blue Apron, and using that coupon code, blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat. And we ask me, we talk about this every single week. Those 20 seconds it takes, it really goes a long way, I tell you. Every podcast you listen to, they say, oh, give us five stars. Listen, I'm not here to mooch for a five-star review. This is how we get better as a podcast, so it is very helpful to rate and then review us, write a few things. Listen, we're great. Maybe we aren't, but that feedback, it's what we need to get better and to continue to pump out material throughout the summer while those mainstream outlets have long decided to move on 
from the Boston Celtics that they even put on the back burner. But not here, not on Celtics Beat, which we got to wrap up because we are right up against the wall. So it's time for some credit shouts. Music for this show is provided by Will Rock, Jules Conroy, Dr. Pez, Chuck Beats, and Steph Lerato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is at Celtics underscore Beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. And enter that Blue Apron contest at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Give that a like. Also, Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Today's show was brought to you by Blue Apron and American Farmers Network. Love to thank our guests, Adam Hibblesbach of the Boston Globe and the Verticals, Michael Lee, and of course our loyal audience for tuning in for yet another week and continuing to make Celtics Beat the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, the founder of the network, Nick Shelso, and myself, the executive producer and host, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.